part of my own journey in understanding um, what I want to talk about tonight and understanding these, these five gifts is the contending and the consistent chewing over and over and over and over on his word. Because up until three and a half years ago, I'd heard about these five gifts. I'd sat in Ian line being taught about it. But you know what? I couldn't see the truth, the revelation of why it's in God's word. I'd read Ephesians, gone through it, like I've said. And it's like, but I had no life. And it's been in the chewing of his word. It's been in the meditating on his word and asking the spirit of God to come and reveal what's there, that life has come and understanding has come. And the joy that's come and the freedom that I preached about a few weeks ago that's now in me because of the revelation of what's in his word outweighs everything that was before. And so I want to encourage you to go on the website, listen to this, and listen to it not just once, but two, three. We're going to ask questions of what I speak about, but ask more questions of, and ask them of him. Not just ask them of one another, but ask them of him. Clay uh, is speaking to this on Sunday night with Ignite. And so if you haven't even got the, uh, you know, the notes, if you're not doing Ignite, go around the corner, grab the notes, because he's written this in was in the note form and he's just expressed it beautifully as well. And so some of the things that he says I won't say tonight and so you're going to get a different view of it as well. And so the more we can see you know, the, the, the different angles but it's the same thing, it helps us come into this reality of what God's trying to do. And so um, I want to encourage you in that. But tonight I want to look at the <clears throat> functioning role of each of the gifts. Why has he given us this gift? Because Ephesians says it's Christ that gives the gift. And so what's the functioning role of the gift? And as I shared before, 1 Corinthians 3.16 teaches us that we really are the modern day temple. It's us. It used to be in physical form, as we know, there's a thing called a tabernacle that they, would, that they would take and move around and then there was Solomon's temple and the Spirit of God would live within the tabernacle or the temple and then God said, I'm going to change this up and I'm now going to put it in my people. And so we are the modern day temple. We are the modern day tabernacle. I mean, that is phenomenal just on its own. And so I want to just look at some scriptures uh, in relation to a physical building to build a platform which then we're going to launch off. Is that cool? And so I'm just going to fly through these. Exodus 25, 9. According to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. Exodus 25.40 According to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture just show you shall construct it see that you make them after the pattern for them which was shown to you on the mountain. Exodus 26.30 you shall, sh- you shall erect the tabernacle according to its plan which you have been shown in the mountain. Acts 7.44 Our fathers had a tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness just as he spoke to Moses to just as, sorry, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. God does nothing by accident and he leaves nothing to chance. Sometimes we think we need to come up with stuff and create it. We don't. We just have to see what's already there. We can, think, we can get way smarter than what we are thinking we're being wise when we're being dumb. He is God. 
And I love what um, Mel said the other he, when she said, he sets us up for a win. We just have to be able to see what's in his word and then come into it. So let's look, let's fast forward and let's look at the scriptures that relate to us as his people. Matthew 16, 18. I love this. I will build my church. I will build my, I wish he'd said my people. Man, I reckon that has confused a whole lot of people because it's like, oh yeah, I'll build a building and I'll draw a whole lot. No, I'll build my people and my people will push back the gates of what? Hell. See, God's people are not a defensive people, we're an offensive people. We move forward, not backwards. There's only one way in the kingdom and it's forward. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19-20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? I love this. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Bought with a price. Father, reveal to us the measure in which you bought us. Cost us nothing. Cost him everything. But to come into more and more of what he has, it'll cost us something, won't it? That's the whole point. That's what he looks for. Philippians 3.17 Brethren, join in following my example. This is Paul. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Paul says this, Imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Either completely arrogant or completely humble. What would happen if one of you said to the person beside you, hey, imitate me as I imitate the Christ? Who'd be challenged by that? Anyone? You arrogant, up yourself. So we've got to contend for some of the stuff because this man's saying this. You start getting into his letters, you either see a completely arrogant man or a man that was humbled, submitted, but knew who he was in God. And he's a signpost. He's actually a typology for us to follow as well, along with Christ. And there is tension in there, a beautiful tension that we must walk in. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God causes growth. And we're going to look at Ephesians very soon. I just want to read this. Just like God had a specific plan for building a physical building, he has his way in which he builds and equips us. And this is through the operation of the five office gifts. So it's really important we understand the purpose of the gifts and their functioning role. Otherwise we will live our lives in ignorance, not valuing the very thing God has given us for our own growth and maturity. Anyone in ignorance tonight? I was. Tonight, three and a half years ago, I'm probably still in ignorance to more truth that's contained in here. Either because I haven't sought him on it yet or I'm still trying to come into it or I'm wrestling him with it. But I love this what scripture says. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Hmm. I believe there's been a lot of ignorance in the body of Christ. Not intentional. In the past and even today. 
in relation to these five gifts and their functioning role. And the reason for this ignorance is because we haven't had eyes to see as God sees, but he's revealing not new truth, but truth that's always been there today. And when I'm in dialogue with different people around the country, and as you know, some of the environments that I've been in with other leaders from different communities, one of the things that we've been talking about is that God is putting back in, that might sound funny, but he's or lifting up or elevating the apostolic and the prophetic gift to go with the pastor, teacher and the evangelist. In fact, the evangelists have got a little bit lost as well, to be honest. So predominantly we've got a pastor-teacher connection that's leading, but God is reintroducing an apostolic prophetic and event. Why? Because it's him. Isn't it? Christ was what? Is what Mel preached the other week. The apostle and priest. He was a prophet. He was a teacher. He was a shepherd, a pastor. Anyway, he was an evangelist. He was all those things. So what does a church look like that only has two of the five giftings like this? <laughs> Can you see what's coming this way? Whack, no. An out of balance people. Each one of those gifts are inherently out of balance on their own. You leave me to my own devices... I'm going to be speaking about stuff that God's been showing me up near somewhere. If you leave Ingrid Hewitt's into her own advices, me and Ingrid get on really well. <laughs> I need Clay. I need Simon. I need you. We actually need one another, but those five have to be held in tension with one another, walking in discipleship with one another, because that's the full expression of the Christos, the Christ. And each one of those gifts, and I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about the gifts, are growing and maturing over time. I mean when God started revealing the gift of my life, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I saw these shoes. That's a size 12. And in the vision I could see my foot was a seven and a half. There was a lot of room to grow into the shoe. You don't just turn up with this mature gift. It grows and it needs grace for it to be able to grow and develop and make mistakes and learn. No different to all the gifts. Amen? And there's just two things I want us um, to note. One, that all the gifts are important and are essential in the body. Okay, so I just want to talk about the five tonight, the five equipping, building up gifts. But all the gifts are essential and no gift is better than the other. Okay, so that clear? Cool. And the other thing is all gifts must be anchored and centred in the love of the Father. If they are not, they are rendered useless by Him, which is really, really important, isn't it? You can have prophecy, you can be this, you can be that and you can just be a gong and a waste of time. If it's not anchored and coming from a motivation of love which will last forever and that's the main thing, it's completely useless and relentless. The danger in that is people can still operate in their gifts. 
I believe that's how you get Matthew 7.21. Lord, Lord, I did all these things. I operated out of gifts but not out of intimacy. And look, there's power in it because it's a gift and it's given, but it's not anchored out of love. Oh, I don't know who you are. I don't want to hear those words. I don't want to hear that. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to the church. None of my friends are waiting for the return of Christ and none of them call him Lord, Lord. And so there you see gifts operating without intimacy and it's dangerous. They must be anchored together. Intimacy, love, the love of the Father and out of the love is ministered the gift. Does that make sense? Carrying the heart and mind culture of Christ in relation to the gifts is essential if the gifts are to be used appropriately and in the way Christ wants them administered. He builds his way. So we must be able to see his way if we want to be built accurately by his spirit. I reckon this next scripture is quite phenomenally scary. Acts 7.49 Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Who's the house? This building? So what kind of house is being built? How am I being built? See, I will build my church. When he revealed what that really was to me, like I'm going to build and transform my people through my word and my spirit and one another. We are the goal. Our transformation is the goal that Christ would be coming out of us. So if I press my wife right now through some circumstance or tension, if she goes through a situation, what comes out of her? Joy, which is automatic, or her flesh, which is anger, bitterness, whatever. If you go home tomorrow and you are pressed by the Spirit of God or by a situation or circumstance, what actually comes out? Because what comes out is what's there. When he said, I will build my church, I'm going to build a people that not only have my nature, they have my character, and it manifests out of them. So a world can see me. We are not the hope of the world, are we? So Christ better be real in us if the church, the world, is going to see hope. So how does this happen? Through, I give, five office gifts. And they have a function. And so come with me to Ephesians 4, 1 to 13. And I never set my timer. Sorry guys. Ephesians 4, I've set it now. How do you fast forward about 15 minutes? You can do that on an iPhone. Okay, Ephesians 4, 1 to 13. I love it, a unity of the Spirit. Why does God give us gifts? Unity of the Spirit. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I'm reading that all the time. It's in many of his letters to walk worthy of the calling, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one 
hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He's making a point there, isn't he? (laughs) But to each one of us, here we go, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That word grace is power. Power was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's not about the person. It's Christ's gift that sits on a person. Okay? Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led, captive, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. That's really important. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and here we go. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets and some as evangelists, some as teachers and pastors for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. This is the, you could say, the outcome of the gifts. The purpose was for the equipping of the saints for the work. Who are the saints? All the pay people, <laughs> whoever they are. It's you and I, isn't it? We're called to be the saints. Do you know 1 Corinthians 6 says the saints will judge the world? Anyone ask when? Moving on. Go have a look at that one. Ask him who that is. Lord, is that me? Am I to be this saint? Anyway. Uh, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, that equipping the saints for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Who wants to know more of God? The knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Man, those are some pretty big realities that he's talking about, aren't they? The building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the oneness that is found in faith. And as you'll know, I'm sharing about what this faith is. God is starting to speak to you more and more about what this faith is and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man which is the bride of Christ to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I love it. As a result, we are no longer to be children. So the function of these gifts is to build up us. Well, if we don't have them in the community, how do we ever be built? Now, I'm an idealist and I'm going for everything I can get my hands on. I'm greedy in him. Some people have said this to me, oh, Greg, what you do is you fly in a prophet from around the world to come and speak to your community and that's your prophetic voice in the church. I go, that's awesome, that's cool, I'll do that while we grow our own. Because, I don't know, I reckon God's resourceful and I reckon there's probably some gifts in 250, 300 people that may be not yet revealed or lying hidden because of whatever reason. So how about we pray and ask the Father and say, I've got five prophets in this house and let's equip them and bring them because I'm greedy. I don't want to have to wait once a year and pay thousands of dollars to fly someone from A to B when someone's sitting right there. They might be young in that gift like I am, but let's grow them, amen? I want to have multiple of those five in the rock. 
he told me that was okay. <laughs> you know why? So then if we plant a community, we plant five gifts, the fullness of Christ. Not one and say, you know what, you've got to do it all. How far wrong have we gone? How far off north have we got? 40 degrees, I reckon, in the way he set it up. And God is flipping it on its head and putting it back together. He's dismantling and putting back in a right alignment. Do you know what? There's a real fight for it in the spirit. And it hurts. And it, there's a wrestle and a wrenching that must need to happen because the, sorry, the pastor-teacher gifting is anchored in the earth. And it's supposed to be. But the apostolic and the prophetic is anchored in the heavenly realm. And God wants us to live unattached to the earth and anchored there, living here. Thinking like him, with a heart posture of him, which is selfless, sacrificial, and it lays its life down for who? Him and one another and a world. Yeah? You will know the way they love one another by the way they what? Lay one another's life down for one another. So God's got to turn you and I upside down and then put us back to never so we actually start living in the culture and the value system of the kingdom on earth. No place for self in that. Why do you think it's so hard and it's such a wrestle? It says in Luke, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, You lot, you killed the apostles and the prophets that I sent you, for they are the keys of knowledge. Ooh. There's a war in the spirit for God's pattern to be established so God's people can come into the fullness of who they're to be. Are we aware there's actually a battle? And I'm not talking about someone just that's possessed. I'm talking about principalities that operate full on to stop you and I coming into everything God has for us. And God has set it up that way. That's even more profound. He tests us. What did Mal say? The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Really? Yep. So a couple of things I'm going to fly um, is this, that he gave the gifts. Okay? So he gives the gifts and he gave some to be. And we have to settle this issue. Not everyone is going to be a prophet. All called to prophesy. Not everyone is going to be an apostle. I believe we are called to be apostolic in nature. What's that, Greg? The word apostle, the root word is apostolos, which means sent one. Jesus, I'll say it again, sent from heaven to earth. Paul, rescued out of the kingdom of darkness, sent back into it to rescue the people in darkness. He sent to the Gentile and the Jew. Moses called out of Babylon, then messed up within the wilderness, turned upside down, sent back. Five times I'm sending you back 
into Babylon, to call my people out of Babylon. And then the great commandment, commission is what? I want to send you lot into the world to rescue people and bring them back. We have to be apostolic in nature. We're not all apostles, but we're apostolic in heart. What is that? A sent people. Selfless, sacrificial, full of love, full of grace, full of power, full of signs and wonders, anchored through intimacy because of the one we love who's directing all that. And you'd see the kingdom of God coming through the church and expressed in the earth. Beautiful, beautiful pattern and design. The challenge is, will we believe it? Will we have the faith to actually believe and see it and go after it? Because it's his reality. He gives these gifts. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. If you read his letters, it's a each one of those gifts is God calls. It's a calling. You don't choose it. You don't go, oh, you know what, I'll line up for that one. In fact, we don't choose any of the gifts. They're given. So you have to be, you have to settle the fact and be comfortable with what you've been given. I'm sick and tired of everyone fighting for everyone else's gift because they perceive it to be awesome. I tell you what, you do not want one of these five gifts. Trust me, if I could give mine away, you can have it, Hezekiah. You can have everything that comes with it. And this whole thing that it's awesome to be in ministry and we've it's just a load of rubbish. Cost you your life. You'll have things coming at you and things said about you. It'll cost you everything and it challenges you everything to stay in the game. You do not invite this on yourself. And I'll be honest, if I had a choice, I would be running for the hills but I know I'd be running out of the will of God for my life, so I'm wrecked. I had this conversation with Tark and he said, man, it's like being divinely deceived, eh? I see, he wrecks you for, for his will. Mm-hmm. Do you think Jesus really had a choice in the garden? He had a choice, but he knew what he was going to choose because you can't step outside the will of God, otherwise you just, what's the point of that? And so no one chooses. God gives these gifts. Listen to Romans 12.4. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function. Romans 12.6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So this is the whole gifts. So all the gifts. Okay, Different functions. Some are going to be an arm. Some are going to be a leg. So we're getting into that expression but as I've said, these, I just want to talk about these five gifts. So the apostolic gift function, it means sent one. I've talked about how those four people were sent and we are called to be um, sent. I want to suggest to us the reason the apostolic gift is appointed first by God in the church, 1 Corinthians 12:28, is because this gift defines and shapes the culture and the value system that God's people have to live their lives from. The apostolic gift along with the prophetic gift lay the foundation for which God's people are built and this foundation is Christ. Is that clear? You can go have a look at, uh, I think it's Ephesians 2.20. It 
So it's about build on the foundation. He's the head, he's the cornerstone, but there's a, there is a, an order in which God builds. Because once again, there's a purpose to it. He does nothing by accident. And it's, once again, it's not a person. Okay, it's him. We've got to get this in our heads because otherwise what we do, we start comparing, oh, that person, that person. What I need, what Clay needs, what we all need is grace to be able to discover and grow up in the gift. If you judge me by my humanity, guess what happens? You'll never see the gift on my life. If you judge Clay by his humanity, you'll never see the gift on his life. You'll never receive the gift because you're too busy judging the humanity. Hence, I have you all given grace and do not judge anyone. See, there's such a tension in this, isn't there? Because we are so wired to want to see the person and not the gift. Oh, Chris, I don't see Christ in Chris, I see Chris. And look what he did last week. No, I've got to see the Christ in Chris and honour that and honour that gift and go, I want to sit under that and receive whatever that is. Hospitality gift, mercy gift, whatever the gift is. But once again, specifically, I'm talking about these five, which is what? For the equipping and the building up. Why? So we can be a what? Unity of the faith. You want to want a bit of that? The full knowledge of Jesus? Anybody want to have the full knowledge? Is that even possible? Is that all possible? Well, my Bible tells me that no eye has seen, ear has heard, what has entered the heart of man that God has in store, but it's been revealed to us, Paul says, through the Spirit, through those who love you, me. He says in Hebrews 5.11, he says, I can't teach you about what I've discovered in Christ because you're dull of hearing. I've got so much more to say, but I can't teach you because you're dull of hearing. Go look at it. He says, by now we should be over here, but we're still here. So I have to speak here, but I really want to be speaking here because this is where the life is. When are we going to transition from here to here, my people, God would say. I'm going to do a message next week about meat. Anyone love steak? Man, I love steak. It tastes amazing. There's so much meat on offer. Let's sink your teeth into a prime bit of steak with onion and mushroom sauce and bernet sauce and... Yeah. Or should I say neck, fish and whatever. What was that stuff under the fish? It was beautiful. See, I, once again, this is my personal conviction and I, and I believe Scripture brings forth this but the apostolic, the reason why it's first and once again, first isn't better than second, not better than third, it's function gift. It's Christ, it's Christ's heartbeat because the gift is, has a knowing of Christ. That's why Paul said in Galatians 1, 11 and 12, he said, this wasn't taught to me by man. No man taught me this. Christ met me and Christ taught me the gospel. Christ revealed himself to me and look what happened to that man. He went from this life to that life, purely on the encounter. 
And then he says this to the Ephesians, he says, I pray that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Why can the man pray that? Because he's received it. And he says, I'm not going to build on any other foundation but the foundation of Christ because he'd been revealed the foundation. Not about, of. He knew a plenty about the Messiah that was coming and missed But when he's revealed of, you see a completely different man. See, the apostolic carries the knowing of the Father, a knowing that's been revealed through the Spirit. And it's the gift that's given. It's not the person that's gone, oh, look at me, I'm such a hero because I went to X, Y, and Z and did all this stuff. It's a gift given. Why? Who knows? Why do people get a prophetic gift and you didn't? I don't know. Anyone else? Why has why Clay got a teaching gift and I haven't? I want to be a teacher. I don't know. Take it up with him. Because he does what he wants and he's building his church. And our role is not to argue, it's just to submit and go, yes, Lord, thank you that I have this gift. Oh, man, I've discovered I've got this, this and this too. What a bonus. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a little finger. I'm going to be the best little finger that I can be. I'm not going to try and be a thumb or a toe or an arm or an eye. I'll only upset everybody and not flow in the functional role that I'm supposed to. And guess who misses out? The person and the body of Christ. What happens? Where's the right leg in the right side? Oh, it went off and did its own thing over there because... That wanted to be God. See, the, the fight, guys, is a massive fight for oneness. And when we come and we are, he's building us in oneness, man, I, I've seen it in the Spirit. I believe for it every day. It's the only reason I hang around because he's shown what it could be. And there's so much love and there's so much togetherness and there's so much mercy there's so much power, there's so much truth this, this, this we, because it's not this building we has this heartbeat of him, because we've all committed to letting go we've all committed to the process of God you build me your way and I'm going to submit to that Is that enough? I've got more on the prophetic gift function. Um, What did I say about the apostolic? I'll read this. The apostolic gift carries kingdom blueprints of heaven's culture and is responsible for leading and guiding people into the fullness of this culture. Heaven's culture is to be in the hearts and minds of the church and then come through the church in powerful acts influencing all areas of life in the world. Same with the prophetic. That's why they are one and two. They're united together. Um, let's have a. I'll just talk about a little bit of the prophetic. I'll just quickly skim through some things. Um, as I say, Clay's put some beautiful words down in the in the ignite notes. Um, one of the major function roles of the gift of the prophet is to be a voice for what God is saying to His church in any given season. They're a mouthpiece of the Father. 
in this gift of prophecy, it foretells, it teaches about what's coming. He's coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's coming. No, no, he's coming. And it's not about when, it's about why. So much of the church is focusing on the dates and times, but not on the why. It's the why that makes the difference. And so this prophetic gift, not just that, but it it communicates, it foretells what God is up to in any given season. So we better be prepared because if we're not preparing in the season we're in, guess what? It passes you by. All of the Hebrews should have gotten into the promised land, but they didn't. See, it's a spiritual dynamic, not a physical one, a spiritual one. It's a spiritual people God is building. What Clay was teaching on Sunday, it's a spiritual family, not a physical one. You want to bring your physical family into the spiritual reality. But we think it's all about the physical family and we go to the spiritual. No! Who's my brother and my mother and my sister? Those that do the will. I'm coming back for a spiritual people, not a physical one. So we better start leading the physical into the spiritual reality. What's that? Selfless, sacrificial, laying lives down, serving, giving your life away. And the prophet declares and also discerns, always cracks me up how it's, Clay will love this, but it's the teacher that tries to preach what the prophets wrote. Why doesn't the prophet teach what the prophets wrote? It's a prophet that keeps a prophet accountable, not a teacher. Just, you know, just a thought. <laughs> it's interesting to note the first prophecy recorded in the Bible is Genesis 3.15 in relation to the woman and the devil. And the prophecy is in relation to the coming of Christ the first time. Then we see the earliest human prophecy being in Jude 14.15 in relation to Enoch prophesying about the second coming of Christ. The principle of first mention says that the initial mention of a topic in the Bible encapsulates the heart of the topic. Thus we see that the core of prophecy points to the Messiah's coming to restore all that was lost in the garden. Do you understand what I just said? The first prophecy was in relation to the coming of Christ First man's prophecy in relation to the second coming of Christ. First place principle when everything's mentioned carries a lot of weight. So in essence, prophecy is declaring the return, the coming of Christ to restore paradise. We're just trying to get back to the Garden of Eden. Here. Right here. See, when did fear enter into man? Fear or faith? I was afraid. Why? I can't go there, that's another message. But Let me just quickly go. The teaching gift is to work closely with the apostle and prophet and to take what they are hearing and saying and communicate it in a way that the church can start to understand what the Father is saying and live this truth out. Now it's not only just that but this is how this design works is that they work as a team and the apostolic prophetic are anchored as I said, are anchored. God has positioned them, shows them, reveals blueprints, things there 
They can preach the word of God. They work with the teacher. The teacher, Clay, has an ability to articulate things and take very complex things and make them simple. Yes? You're experiencing that. He can take things and articulate them beautifully. It's like, oh, is that what that symbol was going on about? Why didn't he put it like that? Because that's his give operating and mine's operating like this. Well, I wish you were more like him. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm quite happy being me. You see, another example. Jesus, out of the 613 laws, which one is the greatest? Oh, let me simplify it for you. Love God, love people. Oh, okay. And that's what the teacher does. And it works with, but not on his own or her own, with the others. No different to the pastor, which is a shepherding role. The word pastor means shepherd. Okay? I'm not a pastor. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> and we need to get this down. Okay? My role and Simon's role is not to run around doing hospital visits. It's for the equipping of the saints to do hospital visits, if that is one aspect of ministry. Now he will and I will go and do hospital visits. But that's not the main function of our role here. It's not to, my role is not to as much look after you guys in, in, in essence. It's to lead us into a reality with those other giftings. Okay, so Simon's role is, and this is what we're working to do, is to build a pastoral, a shepherding framework that the body of Christ, us, enter into so we actually pastor one another and the flock. Now there is a specific grace gift on him to do that, cool. But it's sort of a bit of an 80-20 split. 80% of our role here is to equip you to do works of the ministry. It's not to be running around doing it, we will do that, but that's not the purpose of it. And so I'm sorry, you know, people say, oh, I've got a job, I've got this, I've got that. Oh, yeah. So did I before I start here. So either we either want to be the church or we don't. Because once again, none of us designed the pattern he did. And so it's about submitting to his ways. And you know what happens when you do? Life comes. You've got to lose your life if you want to find it. The problem is we're trying to hang on to it and trying to find it. And then we blame him when things don't work out because we're not losing our life. It's really quite simple, isn't it? Obedience, blessing. Disobedience, curse. Make your choice. That's how simple it really is. We do overcomplicate it. Don't throw stones. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a roll. <laughs> I'm just being honest. It's awesome. I've talked about the pastor gifting. There's more to it. And then the evangelistic gift is, carries a, a grace to declare the gospel and, and they, there's just a, there's, you know, it says that there's a, a specific grace, power given for a function. I've seen this with Ian McCormick. Ian, Ian gets and he speaks and just people want to give their life to the Lord because of what's on him. He could sing Yabba Dabba Doo and it's like, yeah, I give my life to Jesus. And you know, we're all going like, oh gee, trying to play the music and get it all right and you know, say the right words and it's got to flow with the, the order in which we have and like, nothing. And we're called to evangelise and all of these giftings are to raise up other people with those giftings. And so once again, the prophet, let's get the people prophesying, let's get the teacher, let's get the people teaching, let's get the people evangelists, let's get them evangelising, 
But there is an anointing, there's a gifting, there's a grace that just ministers. And it is followed by, I've seen Ian move in signs and wonders in the supernatural. He's got full of stories. And so what's that? That's the power of God moving, giving glory to him. You know, Jesus said, if you don't believe my words, believe in the works so you can see this operating. Now, once again, we're all called to move in that. So it's a both and more. It's never like, oh, that's the special people. Please hear me. We're all called to move, but we're not all going to be apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors and evangelists. Those people, some give, Christ gives those gifts for the works to bring up and lift the church to a position of maturity, waiting for the return of Christ. Oh, I think that's about all. What's the time? Oh, look at that. Um, if you've got time, dessert, um, be cool. And I think we've said till nine, so... Um, if you can, that would be awesome. I appreciate it. I've um, probably gone over time. Um, so there are some questions. If you want to discuss those, or even maybe write them down and within groups, you can take them away. Um, but what has been your current understanding in relation to the five office gifts and Jesus, that Jesus gives his church and their purpose? After hearing tonight's message, how has your understanding changed in relation to these gifts and their function? And are there things that we... You need to do that we, you, understand the purpose of these gifts. One of them could just be seeking God for what you've just heard tonight. I have no clue what the guy just said. I didn't either three and a half years ago. And this is this reality. We must seek the revelation of the truth for us to understand. We may have already arrived at that point. We may have had a revealed knowledge of this. And so you can go, yes and amen, Greg. Or, oh, Greg, some of that I'm not sure about. I need to talk to you about that. Cool, I invite that. But together, let's be committed to coming into everything he has for us as his people. Amen? Alright, thanks guys. Any questions, thoughts, please come see me, whatever, email um, do grab the notes just to read over that Clay's put together as well. Um, other than that,